Hi, welcome to All Artillery Men, Great and Small, your weekly podcast on the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, my name is Sean, he, him. Uh, I am Chad, he, him. Uh, yep, and it's still actually on writing. It is just uh, week the end of week three of NaNoWriMo, and we have the pod madness at this point. Yeah, and uh, the the closest thing to any knockout drug has been getting through this gargantuan Napoleon Invades Russia video. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I, I highly recommend. Shout out to, uh, uh, what is he called? History. Like real-time real history time, or something? Yeah, real-time yeah. history. Like, absolutely one of the most excellent, excellent documentaries I've ever seen. Yeah, the only thing that I would complain about in it, and I don't think it's comedic, is the... Uh, the the mistitling and miscredentialing is Carl von Clausewitz, right? Because they're just like Prussian officer, and I'm like, that yeah, was that's... so good. <laughs> that right. is one thing he is. Yes, <laughs> that, it, it's like I it, it it's like I said it it's like introducing him as going okay, and these are important figures from Judea include Matthew the Apostle, Mark, John the Apostle, and uh, Joseph's apprentice son Jesus. Yeah, Josh, yeah. <laughs> Joshua was also of significance in terms of uh, preaching in vision, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Carl uh, von Clausewitz is like considered like European Sun Tzu. Yeah. Uh, basically, any quote by like an old European dude about like the nature of warfare was probably misattributed, uh, a misattributed Clausewitz quote. Yeah. Uh, he was notoriously hated by Hitler. Which yeah, is always a good mark in your favor. Well, I was going to say, he's one of the twin pillars of strategic minds. It's Clausewitz and May, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that being the joke is that uh, Hitler had said that people have read too much Clausewitz and not enough uh, of a <laughs> fucking fantasy author, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it is the equivalent of, of uh, I guess you could say, like, I'm not going to name specifics here, but like you could say the 45th of a leader turning around and saying, you guys are focusing way too much on West Point and not enough on R.L. Stein. Yeah, <laughs> literally, that's the comparison, <laughs> man. <You're> like, <laughs> I don't think the, the tactical doctrina of fucking R.L. Stein <laughs> has been of meaningful import to any battle ever. Right? Like, Don't you remember when the person offered three wishes? Okay, she was clever. She didn't ask to be a statue. Don't be statues, boys. <laughs> <laughs> and when the video game with the giant praying mantis, okay, biggest praying mantis you ever saw, huge, huge, beautiful praying mantis. The terrible would happen to those kids, but I mean, <laughs> sacrifice had to be made, folks. You know it. I know it, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, impressions aside. Uh, and one, not calling out anybody specific, just uh, just spitballing if it was a forty fifth of something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that that uh, through the lens of R.L. Stein is also fucking phenomenal. I'm yes. stuck on that for a few minutes. For but, some reason, uh, he didn't like the one about puppets. No way. I, yeah, I just I don't know. I did. He wouldn't read that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, first order of business. Uh, Chad uh, is now uh, Chad Triumphator. I think uh, you've gained an appellation. Yeah, uh, i i get to I get to show off my certificate now. Mm-hmm. Because you got uh, fifty thousand words in like seventeen days or some shit yeah. like that, right? 
Yeah. Uh, so as of uh, like two or three days before this recording, Chad officially completed NaNoWriMo with the certificate and the daily word tracking to prove it. Yep. And I've yeah. read the, the vast majority of those words. and They're pretty good words. <laughs> yeah, I've, I got all sorts of good words in there. I've got the, I've got is. There's some articles. There's some pronouns even. Yeah. People like pronouns, right? There we go. It's a mission accomplished. No. It actually uh, reminds me of one of Ali G's greatest moments was when he was interviewing Noam Chomsky and he goes, and he's like an amazing linguist. He knows all the words. And he's all like, <laughs> yeah. And he's all like, tell me some. <laughs> tell me some words. Yeah. Uh, no, I am reminded, of course, of the, the thing where it's like there are no pronouns in the Bible. And it's like, of course, like, I am he, right? <laughs> <laughs> Like, motherfucker almost got, like, what caused them to tear their shirts and go to pilot was the pronoun he preferred? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> literally before, him saying, I am he, right? Like, yeah. Before Abraham, I am. And they're like, yeah. I, get, shit. Explain <laughs> to the Romans why this is a big deal. Yeah. You're going to uh, get it, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, a uh, little bit of a victory lap here, right? Because. Chad's done not just like a ridiculous NaNoWriMo, right, which is a, a seriously difficult thing in its own, but like smashed it like out of the park <laughs> at this point, right? Like, uh, and even if the 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 thing were to stop here, be a pretty impressive accomplishment in one month. But you're not gonna stop here, right? You're gonna yeah. I decided I'm gonna throw another twenty five, thirty thousand words on the on the Barbie, so to yeah, speak. and get a a pretty good like paperback fiction. Yeah, yeah. I figure I figure a publisher might like seeing a good ninety thousand in there, right? That way, it doesn't look like I'm trying to establish myself as the next George R. R. Martin, but I also don't look like I had to wheeze across the finish line like some of yeah, these. Yeah, and you're not other not authors. saying that like, oh, this is the first book of the trilogy. Don't worry, I'll get yeah. good in book two, right? You're like, this is the book, right? Like, uh, I can include a subtitle if you want to leave me potential to uh, to write uh, more on it, right? Um, but in months, I have written book. Would you like more book would next you like month? Book, right? Like, and also gotten Scrivener discount code, most importantly, uh, right? Ah, uh, yeah, that big 50% discount code. Uh-huh. Uh, it, which is funny to me that it doesn't stack with the 20% discount code that you get. We're not sponsored by Scrivener, but Scrivener is a good good thing to have if you're actually serious about organizing fiction in its chapters. And it is 20% off if you just sign up for NaNoWriMo and say you have a goal, <laughs> even yeah. at this point. So uh, let's talk a little bit about your book, because, again, this is mostly about victory lappage for you. Yeah, sure. Uh, since the last time, you've gotten thoroughly into the conflict. Most importantly, you've established Gibbs as a character. Yes, I right? have. Because you were just about to talk about Gibbs last time when we ran out of clock text, right? Yes. And so like characters like Rose, who were very, very important in the introduction, have become very secondary background characters. Uh I mean, she started as a background character, right? Uh, but now she's truly, truly in the the firmament and texture of the city of Leonsbrook as opposed to an, an actor on the main stage. Yes, it's very funny that as the only character to have done physical harm to one of the protagonists, she is now firmly established as not involved with the antagonist. Not the antagonist, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and so let's talk about the antagonist. That's Gibbs. Yeah, I think that's fair. No, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Gibbs... Uh, while the book lacks like a, a what I would consider a traditional protagonist, right? It is not structured as a the journey of a particular character. You could say that it is very much the story of the town, right? And specifically Liam, I think. Liam is at the center of all these matters and his eventual uh, 
impact with the people around him and Gibbs is what's being resolved here as the primary conflict. Yeah, I I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but I will at least just a little since we're on a victory lap. I'm really happy with the structure that I picked where Liam is like the protagonist that the camera is never focusing on. Mm -hmm. So so you've got Lena, who is Lena and Eamon are like almost you'd almost say this is the male protagonist and this is the female protagonist. But they're honestly, if you look at it, they're a lot closer to barometers for what Liam and Gibbs are doing. Yeah, and it's the the formula is established by like Great Gatsby, right? That your protagonist is not the POV character per se. Yeah, I was really inspired. You guys may have heard of it. I was really inspired by this podcast called On Writing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a, a sister podcast, of course, to uh, all artillerymen, great and small. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I mean... One of those dudes, they he said this amazing genius, the best words about <laughs> protagonists and POVs. <laughs> and I was yeah. all like, and I was like, you don't get that at West Point. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, um, Liam, and I think this is also a little bit of meta knowledge because we know the origin of this, right? Because yeah. this is anecdotally sort of had its genesis in fanfic right yeah that's that's really the funniest thing i know if you read this you'd be like that's an incredible original story and i'm laughing in anno domine yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh because it was about and you want to talk about that a little bit because how you play games like that and how fanfic for you can drive into storytelling yeah so I have been wanting to play Auto 1800 for ages because I absolutely adore city builders, but I don't play them the way you people do. If traffic is backed up, I sit down and I write a story for why traffic is so backed up. <laughs> You're I'm, like, traffic's going to stay fucked up until yeah. I'm done writing. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, this is just the way the story goes because I'm interested in seeing how the story of whatever I'm building emerges. Jurassic World Evolution, City Skylines, they've all got to have like little stories and amounts of character attached to them. And so it's great because I can't win or lose these things. I'm just watching a documentary unfold as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. Uh, the the hand of God just comes in to go, oh, wait, we uh, we need a strip club over there, I guess. Okay, now <laughs> yeah. let's see what happens, right? So it's a very DM kind of role, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, and so I got into Auto 1800, and, and the first thing I did was I see this one dude with this Van Dyke beard, and I go... He's going to run the town, and he's an Irish labor advocate. And Sean was all like, it, it's on 1800, dude. Just, just fucking build your sheep farms. I'm <laughs> like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll get to building the sheep farms. But first, we'll call him Liam. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, Saint can be a middle name, right? And it's like, well, it's a little more complex than that. And I'm like, yeah, but I hear a butt coming in. So boom, Saint Quiven. <laughs> and then just... It emerged to this point where I was building up one side of town really well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I picked this. I picked the most Gaelic looking tree I could find for mm-hmm. my banner. And I was mm-hmm. all like, that is like an act of defiance against the English is what it is. That's saying you can't burn our sacred groves. Mm-hmm. You know, the sacred oak will grow. Uh, and as I'm building this town and I'm coming up with all this stupid shit about a backstory for this town, one side is inexorably staying farmers and one side is growing up into workers and whatnot. And, and this I'm is looking- partially due to game abstraction of yeah. Anno that you can't 
that you need farmers, right? But if you put the farmers in nice houses, they can't be farmers anymore. Right. Because weird anno law. <laughs> right. So here's like the poor side. Here's the side with all the workers. And then I see that I have to build a church. And I'm like, do I want to build a church where everybody can access it? No, I want to build it for the rich people. The rich people are who matters. And then uh, that's when it kind of clicked into my head. Wait a second. If I'm having this argument, there's going to be like a dispute in town about this church, mm-hmm. right? Like if I, the creator, am having this argument, then like surely, certainly the the people in town would have an argument about where to put the church. And then Sean is like, well, let me tell you some uh, obscure history about like why the Hunchback of Notre Dame is actually like the most important work ever written about restoring churches. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That it's like, well, we don't actually want to see the churches in the poor parts of town. And it's all, <laughs> it's because it gets gross when you have a central church. It's much nicer to build a church way up on a hill somewhere uh, where you already live because you don't live in the center of town anymore. And you don't have to see as many like poor people. And they're easy to keep at, yeah. right? And uh, Victor Hugo is writing against that, railing against that premise, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so this turns into a lot of memeing back and forth between me and Sean about just like hyperbolic Irish 19th century stuff. Cause we have, we have the weirdest uh, discord logs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get this newspaper that says bankruptcy. Liam St. Quiven is in the red. It can only be a matter of time before the bailiffs come to reclaim furniture and wallpaper. <laughs> and, and I go, Jesus Christ. What the hell is this? And then Sean goes, I wish there was a sick pamphlet burn button to reply to this slander with pistols at fucking dawn. And like the entire story just clicked in my head as Sean goes on to type, I'm solvent as fuck. Do you want to die about it? <laughs> and like yeah. from, from there, I was all like, I got to start writing. And I just fucking close it. And I start and I start writing what is ostensibly at the time an Anno 1800 fan fiction. Mm hmm. But from those seeds, I went, okay, so Liam St. Quiven is going to be in this town. It has to be split between two people, and the two people have to have a this, and then Liam has to have a dispute over bankruptcy, and he's got to fucking die, mm-hmm. right? And and that's it. That's that's what kicked the entire process off, um, because when I, when I adapt to, I guess you could say, if when I adapt something to fan fiction, I want to look at all the ways that like gameplay would be told in a novel documentary or story. I don't want to go, well, that's just for gameplay purposes and swipe it away because that's like creatively uninteresting. Mm -hmm. If you can rationalize why flaws are happening, if you can rationalize this now, by the way, if you ever play the main story of Anno 1800, uh, they didn't bother rationalizing anything. So just keep that in mind. If you're looking for any fucking story in there where it just literally jumps from like, Oh no, we have to run away from our evil brother to Asians from Final Fantasy fourteen are coming to burn the crown, and apparently we can't do anything about it because they're backed by Haitian labor. I don't also I, you need to research unions to invent the loom, and I'm like <laughs> like there's being pro union and then there's whatever this is, right? Because unions have like no impact other than like they give you access to loom, right? I'm like yeah. awesome. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and looking through that conversation now, that's that's where all of this comes from. Liam St. Quaven of the Irish National Labor Union. This is uh and then and then Sean pitches the name Kalen O'Sullivan, 
And for some reason, I just heard the name asshole ring around in my head. Yeah. You're like, what if he was a dick? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then we stopped paying attention entirely when I showed Sean a quest objective where he went, fucking excuse you. Your quest objective is to build a fleet bigger than the one that fought at Trafalgar. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anno is scaled to some, I, I don't know, like what kind of historicity Anno is appealing to uh, I'm I'm not like the biggest Napoleonic Wars nerd. The title of this podcast aside, uh, but like it's not that complicated to realize that making like 14 ships or whatever would make you like the second largest navy in the world. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'm a little colonial town that mostly grows papaya, and I'm like, fucking okay. Oh, <laughs> right? uh, it's wonderful! It's wonderful! It's all like, yeah, the, mm, yeah. So that's where we keep our two sheep farms. That one belongs to uh, Bernicus, and that one to McLowry. Uh, over there is the potato farm. We used to have two, but the first one bought the second one out. Uh, <laughs> that's where we keep the Royal Navy. Um, the whole one. Yeah. yeah that's, oh, that's Seamus's warehouse. Wait, could you go back to the last one? Seamus's oh, warehouse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a really good spot for loading off the docks. No, the Navy. Yeah, that's the Navy. The whole one. Yeah, yeah we snort in the dock. The yeah. dock? What do you mean? And they're just all like, um. Yeah, I, I don't see why you're being so weird about this. Have you never seen a Navy before? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can we keep the focus on Sheamus's warehouse? He had to pay like 2% interest on this thing. Yeah, it was monstrous, right? Usury. Uh, no, exactly. And that's uh, kind of where a lot of this comes from. Of course, some of this comes from a completely different angle, right? So, for instance, yeah. different game abstractions didn't find their way in or did, right? Uh, right. The location of the colony kind of moved around from the abstract Caribbeanish location in Anno, right to um, uh, back to Ireland. Yeah, uh, as just part of the narrative. Straight up Ireland. Yeah, you didn't want to make it a a story of uh, uh, early colonialism, right? It's a story of like late colonialism and yeah. like, empire folding in on itself, right? Like forever. Yeah, the way the way I kind of described it is that weird time when a new generation has grown and all the old timers the last thing that they ever did in the world was beat napoleon and they won't stop beating that dead horse Mm -hmm. yeah uh and it's an interesting time in history right because it is the 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 vibrations of industrialization are on the way right and social organization of industrialization is fully in progress Uh, Even though the material components of it haven't arrived. Yeah, that weird part where like everybody kind of knew steam was about to be invented, but they didn't know when. (laughs) So they're like, let's just start organizing real fast because steam's going to be here soon. What the hell is steam? I don't know, but it's going to change everything. It's going to be bad, I'm feeling. (laughs) It's going to make all this shit a lot weirder. (laughs) I feel like we're going to reorder society pretty arbitrarily after it arrives. Uh, The graveyard's going to get real fucking tall, real fast. Real tall. Turn to the meat cube. You don't want to know about the meat cube, let me tell you. Uh, But that was also a big component of this, right? And that's both research by you and research by me, right? Yes, I will be happy to report. Uh, I don't think this will get me in any legal trouble. I was going through the uh, through English archives of old Victorian letters, and let me tell you, if there are twenty letters, twenty one of them are about cholera. By the way, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Look, it's the only news on anyone's mind, right? <laughs> <laughs> I one of there are two that really stand out to me. One of them <laughs> was the guy who was all like, who was all like. Well, Governor, check this out. Uh, considering cholera seems to affect the poor inordinately compared to the wealthy, and the spreads will start in the poor quarter, but they can't afford your uh, 
the paper, as it were, would it be possible that we could hand these out for free as pamphlets? What in the interest of the public health and all? And he went, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, the, but there was another one where this dude was all like, for all intents and purposes, smallpox has been eradicated. Amongst the smarter, richer, more intelligent, more deserving of life class. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, smallpox vaccine totally works. I love it. Um, poor people still get it, though. It's crazy. Have they been vaccinated? Ew, no. You want to give them the same vaccine they gave me? That would be gross. That would make me, like, associated with them by proxy, right? But it's like, weird because it turns out being this really long letter about, like, but first, we have to break down the meat cube. Yeah. <laughs> you have to understand this meat cube cannot work because there's so, <laughs> there's somebody out there next to this meat cube of a graveyard selling shrimp. I don't know how <laughs> got shrimp there, but they're barrel selling shrimp. Yeah. Yeah, barrel shrimp. <laughs> As somebody else is complaining, going, could you get less mercury into the air then when you're cleaning around the meat cube? And like, in no, that's not in the in the mandate of the Bureau of Public Health. Literally, the letter they sent in, like, incredible. Um, what about so, London's letter that they sent in, by the way? What about London's letter where they went, yes, we're not coming there. But yeah. could you let us, could you or the assistant who succeeds you upon your death let London know when this whole cholera thing blows over? <laughs> <laughs> To, to whom yet remains in the choleric morgue. <laughs> yeah. Right, like Let us know when it's okay. To bottom, hieroglyphs at the bottom in case, like, a peasant is the only one that survived. Yeah, like some, like, this is not a place of honor shit, right? <laughs> do, do you have cholera still? Your cholera is distasteful to us in our time and will be distasteful to you in yours. Right? But, uh, there's two things I want to go into, and that's one, a discussion of the meat cube. Uh, because it is an evocative enough subject, and it has been thoroughly unexplored. And but, Sean uh, is just sitting here. You say meat cube, he's like meat cube, meat cube, meat cube. <laughs> so, um, basically, it involved the legislation around funeral services, funerary practices, specifically among the poor, because it was fashionable to take your uh, body and even their have it interred in a church if you were wealthy, and it would be part of like services kind of thereafter, right? You when churches. Massive like at an Italian McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but the corollary was that uh, rich people would start burying themselves out in the countryside for sanitation purposes. Now, if you're poor, you can't afford to, like, travel 20 miles out in the countryside. You can't even afford to, like, leave the city proper for your funeral. Right. And the Industrial Revolution is kicking in in full gear now. So if you're poor, you've moved into a city. Yeah, you are in a tenement with like 12 other people living right. in your room. But this right. is like brand new. So you haven't shaken your rural customs yet. Yeah. You want to be buried where you live, right? Like inside of your church. And uh, the rich people finding this gross ask that the uh, graveyards near them be closed. Uh, this results in there being very, very few <laughs> legal graveyards around. <laughs> so what happens happens where it's you either – Bury your auntie in the street, right? Like, which nobody wants because when it rains, your auntie's going to float up, right? Like, or B, you get buried in one of the two still open graveyards, right? But these still open graveyards, it turns out when you're living 12 to a room, that means that there's going to be 11 corpses in about like 36 months. <laughs> Especially because you all work at the Mercury Farm, right? Like, just uh, vaporizing Mercury all day for no particular apparent reason. 
and uh, that that's a lot of bodies, especially when the pre-expansion logistics implied more cemeteries being open, but the rich demanded that they be closed for sanitation purposes, right? So now the two remaining cemeteries, they're like, all right, we're out of space. Okay, let's build the walls up higher. Let's put a layer of dirt down. And that's uh, this is the ground now. And then we'll stack the coffins on that. And then we'll put dirt over that. And we'll just repeat this forever. And so you have description of these cemeteries that their walls were like 13 feet high and the dirt now is above it. And they're building up ramps of dirt to get into the fucking ziggurat that is just literally built of people in like minimum size, not even pine coffins, oftentimes just bags. Right. And these kinds of internment processes are obviously making who angry. Oh, well the rich are angry, right? Cause it's unsanitary. And what's their proposal? Close more cemeteries. Right. And it's like, Dog, where are you going to put the corpses? <laughs> right? Like, and then I think we both read the article that has had the greatest impact on your story. Uh, man caught with pig living in his. Uh, I, you know what? <laughs> I, I bet I can find this one because uh, th- this one is great, and and this is the one I was kind of wondering about. Uh, about. Uh, Legality. I'm sure the statute of limitations on this has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, ah, yeah. Okay, here it is. We can go. Yeah. So this is this is the one that. Uh, yeah, I I have made a full homage to this to Edwin Chadwick Esquire, Commissioner of the Board of Health. We, the undersigned inhabitants of Trinity Square in the borough of Southwark, beg to call your attention to a nuisance prejudicial to health existing in our neighborhood. <laughs> Pigs are kept by a person named Wooly at ha- at Hoodyard, Swan Street, closely adjoining the houses we inhabit. We therefore respectfully request that means may be taken to cause their removal. And I go, they narked on Wooly. <laughs> <laughs> Wooly was just trying to get his shit in, man. Like, come on. Like, how could you do that to him, right? Yeah, hashtag uh, <laughs> justice for Wooly. Hashtag free the pig, dude. Yeah. So fortunately, I think we may have found a way to give like justice to Wooly. Yeah. Uh, by making him immortal in print. Yeah, and making him immortal in print in a way that isn't just people uh, bitching to somebody with an excellent last name, dare I say. <laughs> Edwin Chadwick, wonderful name. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we'll link some of the... Um... The Victorian industrial towns. Oh, absolutely. Good uh, idea. Good idea. The description of this episode. And demonstrate that like research isn't all that hard. Going back to the the fucking guy who wrote the 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 boy in the striped pajamas who's like, how to dye things red. And just like Googled <laughs> it and then like took the first thing he found, which was like he probably should have noticed it was a game informer article. <laughs> uh and not like an academic resource, but like, uh, he- hey. He's pulling the sideshow Bob where he's like, no, no, it's French. And they know a lot about alchemy. Gamay, F-A-Q. Informier, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, and uh, this demonstrates that there are particular kinds of research that are quite easy, especially if you want to write this kind of like period thing and anchor it in facts about historicity. You don't need to get every single fact right, and you don't have to tell a particular historical story. You can just use the elements that are narratively compelling as long as they're like real ones and not like Game of Thrones where it's like, there were actually a fuckload of horses 
up in the <laughs> up in the north and everyone got raped all the time which is like neither of those things are true in fact they're so equally untrue that it makes me think that you haven't consulted with any historical materials whatsoever right uh, so, there is some truth to the fact that george r martin's history research was very vibes based yeah like uh th- this is the one thing we will talk about with napoleon other than trafalgar right like the his invasion of russia was defined by all the horses died we're fucked yeah. right like there's there's uh, a letter from one of his generals but it's passing along his orders to a bunch of cavalry going you can't have horses the three left are carrying our supplies get out there and walk yeah and uh george r R. martin's portrayal of cavalry in the north is fucking way past anachronistic down to just being like dog they wouldn't they're out (laughs) horse machine broke boss understandable have a great day (laughs) i had to say nothing of the dothraki and their hundred thousand horses at all times who just continue to draw little circles you know around no it's okay there's grass there oh you know what there was grass in russia too yeah, uh, that that is, of course, the corollary, right, is that they want to be like outer Mongolia, but they also want to be like this extremely strange abstraction of a nation, right, where they're like huge barbarians as opposed to, you know, like little Mongolian dudes who's like, I'm going to drink some fucking yak's milk and conquer Carthage. Is that cool with you? And they're like, yeah, dog, let's do this thing. Let's Isn't fucking so level fun? Baghdad so hard that people can't even find it on a map, right? Isn't like, that so fucking – yeah, speaking of speaking of not being able to find it on a map, isn't that so fucking weird that someday in like fucking 1342, everybody is just vibing and one day a dude got some bad yak's milk and threw down his fucking sickle and went, you know what? Fuck this planet. And yeah. fuck it, he did. And yeah. like people who have – they're like, the Mongolians are coming. What the fuck is a Mongolia? I don't know, but we need to learn right now. <laughs> we, need, we need data about this shit. Stat. They are here. Oh, fuck. They're through already. Right? Like, uh, yes. So, uh, but anchoring this in facts about like Irish labor law, that was a big thing uh, that we discussed going into this. And I'm not like a collaborator on this. I'm just the. Chad's like, it feels like there was to be some fucked up labor laws around this time. Do you have any specific examples? And I'm like, boy, do I ever. <laughs> Right. Uh, Anti-competition laws and the history thereof is really interesting, especially in English context, because holy shit is the English like financial brain absolutely the most warped organism to ever crawl out of the sea. I'm convinced it is like some kind of like mind flare invader parasite. You're like, (laughs) you fuckers came up with Adam Smith. He's your guy. How are you so bad at this? Uh, Because if you actually look through it, like I (laughs) swear a lot of their labor and real estate laws where like they looked and went. That's fair. Hmm. A little too fair for the Irish, if you ask me. Yeah, and they wanted the ability of like a nobleman to be able to beat his serfs in perpetuity, right? Even after they weren't serfs anymore. So they're like, oh. it seems like it would be reasonable to let him keep that right. I mean, it is well established historically. And it's like, uh, could we th- reconsider why we had that right? <laughs> and he's like, can't hear you over the surf. I'm lashing, right? Yeah. It- Big energy of of the meaning of life when John Cleese at the boarding school is is all like, and that shrine is from Memorial Day where we remember those who died to keep India English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, that is also one thing I want to mention is that like this this the the working title of this book is most noble animal, right? Yeah. Um, but. One thing I proposed is you could throw a subtitle on it in case you wanted to revisit like the same kind of historicity, same kind of themes in a different place. Yeah, my my kind of wacky, mostly true, but fill in the details with bowler hats because bowler hats are cool. 
Yeah, the, the most noble animal, which comes from Wooly. Because for those of you wondering where Wooly comes in is the fact that uh, the character Eamon is reading to his wife the newspaper because I'd, I'm sorry if some people don't like this. His wife isn't literate because mm -hmm. it's 1800s Ireland. And most and, people aren't literate. Yeah. Like. So so he's he's uh, he's reading her a newspaper and there's a committee to determine the most noble animal. And all it is is that they're looking for a mascot mm -hmm. uh, for the town. And all hell breaks loose because somebody says we should actually make it a rabbit instead of uh, whatever, instead of the deer, I think it was that they were going to go with or the elk or mm -hmm. something. And then somebody else decides salmon and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, he uh, just throws out salmon. <laughs> yeah. Well, if we're going to go down to here, why not a salmon? Uh, and then the next article he reads is that a dude named Wooly got kicked out by the Irish National Labor Party uh, from his house because he was keeping a pig there. And the pig was named one Murphy. Mm -hmm. And then I got a hair up my ass to just do it. Throughout the book, there's going to be references to Murphy in headlines as characters mm -hmm. are passing by. Uh, the next yeah. one is uh, Murphy sentenced to sausage. Uh, and then and then when that article is read, like it turns out that the mayor thought it was really funny to like read him his last rites and give him a proper hanging like a true Irishman. But in the process of it, the pig just walks away. And Murphy like, oh, slips shit. the noose, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Murphy slips the noose. And then the next one is going to be crowd clamors for clemency for uh, for Murphy. And then the final one is going to be committee unanimous. Murphy is Newtown mascot. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so, like, there's kind of a tongue-in-cheek reference to the most noble animal in Leansbrook is actually Murphy. Mm -hmm. But it, but it uh, is also the entendre, right? Mm -hmm. Because, like, it isn't that, like, people are the, the true monsters other than uh uh Gibbs and we've got our fucking suspicions about Kalen. Uh but that like everyone is working towards what they view as like a good, right? Like uh that it is very much not like a the villain is the protagonist of his own story. Cause I don't think Gibbs is very much considers what he does heroic, right? Like <laughs> Oh no, uh, Gibbs, yeah, no, as long as Gibbs has a chair to lean on at the end of the day, he's happy as a fucking yeah, and clamp. fall his ass off of, which is yeah. one of the funniest <laughs> things that happens in that book. At least so far. Um, everyone is like legitimately trying their best, but their best is often just not fucking good enough, right? right? <laughs> like like uh, L Lena's trying her best to be a nun, and that's real fucking hard. I'm sorry, father. Didn't mean to. Uh, uh, Eamon is trying to be like both a good man and a good husband, right? Like... Uh, it just so happens that like he can't he's not good at either of those things yeah. right, right? Uh, and Liam is trying to make labor conditions better in this town right which is in the face of massive exploitation and shittiness right uh, from all sorts of sides because there is uh, international adventurism and like continental interest in like the the Irish Labor Party not being the Irish laborers not being as reduced by continental war as other places, right? Right. Um, and the English being like, yeah, I think we will just pillage this and like renationalize <laughs> and denationalize this land for you, right? So they want there to be crisp organizational backing to like oppose that kind of shit, right? Right. But it also means that he has to reorder society in such a way that society is resistant to, and that societal resistance takes the form of Gibbs, right? Who yes. sees himself as being directly disempowered by these actions and is trying to protect his his town, his hold on it, and thereof, right? For not 
even uncharitable reasons, I would say, because he has kept the town in order without like any kind of official structure of organization for a long fucking time. Right. Right. He's, he's, he's kept an agreeable amount of anarchy in place. Mm -hmm. And that uh, in part, because they keep him with some fucking bagels is what they do. Yeah. Keep fucking Christ. (laughs) No refreshment. Uh, yeah. And, um, the, the conflict of these characters is not that they're representing alternative modes of the world, right? Like, I don't think the world that Liam imagines is all that different than the world that Gibbs imagines, but that it needs must have each of them at the top of it in order of dominance. So Liam cannot, in his current role, step down and allow Gibbs like control the Irish Labour Party locally. Right. right. And Gibbs, like, would cut his hands off at the wrist if he would have to like show an amount any amount of respect to Kalen at any point in his life right like yes this is also true if in his dying breath the lord came to him in the form of Kalen he'd swear his soul to be Elzebub and go into the flame smiling right like uh yeah and uh this this the irreconcilability of their conflict is great because also not like uh it isn't fundamentally the battle between like capital and labor, right? It's the the battle between factions of labor that can't conceive of themselves as unified because they're embodied in their leaders. Yeah, and that's that's what interested me a lot more than like coming down and kind of doing a politically cheesy thing of going like I stand with the workers because like it, it's really easy to just spit out fifty thousand words of of I think this will get me up votes on Reddit. It's also would be fundamentally anachronistic because we yeah. know who won that fight. Yeah. Right? Like, it's eighteen hundred in Ireland. Capital don't lose, right? Like capital's fucking batting a thousand in this one, right? Uh, and like that neglects the the complexity of the era and like the ability for people to demonstrate their strength, right? Because we don't want to just show labor getting its ass beat by capital throughout history, right? You could open any nonfiction book and see that. Right. And there's so many complexities to to be disseminated and to look at and how it shapes people. Because to me, at the core, what happens isn't nearly as interesting as what happens to the people mm-hmm. when, when they go through something. Like uh, something as seemingly out of nowhere as my big fat Greek wedding talks about the fundamental dialectic of an outsider joining this family and how her life changes as a consequence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is currently sitting at what, like 50,000 words and change. Yeah. Yeah. And you're aiming uh, to just not quite double that, but get to like 80, 90 is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. About 80, 90 is about what I'm aiming for. Yeah. And that's not 80, 90 in the next 10 days, right? That's 80, 90 total like it would be could, really cool if i got 80 90 in the next 10 days so i could be like i'm a nano remo double winner mm-hmm. but but i would settle for 80 90 uh, another 25 to 30 with uh with thanksgiving coming up in the next month mm-hmm. and then edit it and then send it off to print and uh and how wonderful would it be if my agent walked up going got a manuscript for you bub and slaps it down and the person goes, excuse me. And he's all like, I'll be representing Mr. Chad Whalen. Dad called me Gibbs. So I'd appreciate <laughs> if you did the same. Tom man. And also speculative literature agent. 
uh, and then you you kill the agent, boil him into tar, and then send yeah. that tar out of town. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> n- yeah. Uh, and so yeah, you've already won. You don't need to like finish the rest of the novel during the month, but right. You know, and you absolutely don't have to revise it during the month, right? No. Uh, and no, as you mentioned, not. with Thanksgiving coming up, it gets complicated with terms like travel and like familial obligation, etc. Not to mention just like difficulty in getting food because you have to go to the grocery store and there's like twenty thousand people there, like yeah. getting a turkey, and you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. It was a mistake. We should go back to sharecropping, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna talk about my work. So my work, I mean, progress. You wrote only like what three or four times as much as you wrote, gotten done in the first week. I got. 10 times as much done as I did in the first week, which means I'm going to like miss my target for Nano because I'm, I'm currently at like eight and change, right? Like you can squint and call it nine, but I won't. Uh, and uh, it's, I've run into some structural problems. I just want to talk about them really quick. So I had aimed this and scoped this to be a novella and that's kind of still where it's scoped, but I'm not, it's not, prose as if it's a novella right like it's prose in a bunch of fragmentary bits and chapters that i want to expand to full novel length and i don't know if i have it in me to do that like that that level of revision adding more words as i move along is like not my style i like to overwrite and then cut down uh and so it's just it's just hard you know <laughs> uh at the same time i'm probably going to be able to hit the low bar of uh what i had aimed for that 20 to 30,000 uh, by the end of this, uh, but it, it is going to be a struggle, especially the amount of work I have. Uh, I wrote like ten thousand words of fucking emails last week, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that that sucked officially. I can imagine, like you told me that you were on like a three-hour call about fucking real estate programming or something yeah. like that. Uh, applications tangential to real estate markets. Yeah, yeah. And there's there would be there would absolutely be a point where I would just go. <laughs> yeah. yeah just like all right cool i think i got it bye guys and you're like 30 minutes in right like, uh yeah no and um uh speaking for mj mj's at like also finishing her equivalent nanoremo with like twenty-two thousand words as of today but it's all words uh, it's all non-fiction miserable words uh that she is accountable for for money, right? Like, and uh, it, it's it's just kind of interesting the the amount of productivity that you have when you're doing something that you want to do versus what you plan to do versus what you you are required to do by rent god. Yeah, rent god is the brass bull into which we throw all of the truculent children. That's 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 just the facts. Right? Uh, absolutely true. <clears throat> so. With the current scope, I'm thinking I'm going to end it about the part uh, where the protagonist and his girlfriend go down to um, the abandoned house and record some found footage movie and then like have sex in the building with the implication that the houses are watching them. I've also gone through and renamed some chapters because I realized I was doing them with chapter name themes, but uh, I wasn't naming them as such i was bullshit naming them so the first chapter is called a house party right because uh, we're centering on haunted houses and i hadn't realized the significance of opening with a house party right like the dialectic concept of haunted house right being one that's occupied and vibrant and creates this configuration of people that is alive in the present moment in it as opposed to 
eternally present among the dead, right? Um, I also drilled down a lot with this discussion that got way too long, and it is most upsetting part because it is means like about 500 of these words are not good words. I just need to fucking go. A discussion of rooms in like uh, aim and discord. Which is nothing like it, I, I, it. It's it should literally just be like a one line thing, right? Like rooms, hmm, like a house, right? That that's that's <laughs> it. And, or like my father's house has many rooms in it, huh? and someone mentions it, and then fucking guy doesn't realize that it's a, a Bible quote, right? Right. Uh, instead, I have this whole like sort of semi philosophical discussion about it, and it's too smart, and it's not in the voice of either of the characters in play, and I'm like, oh fucking shit. Fuck. And that's another thing that I've encountered in this is that like it's too close to where I'm at in certain ways, right? So the parts that are fiction, just prose, I feel really comfortable in. But when I'm writing in like the Discord aim se- sections, I tend to get in my own um it's not voice, it's uh there's this concept in cryptography, okay? And I promise this is going somewhere. And it's called someone's fist. Okay. And your fist is a little bit like your voice, but it's like much more connected to the kinds of errors you make in transcription, the 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 random numbers you pick, and the way you structure sentences and ideas so that they can be broken down by someone decrypting the message. They recognize that even in code, this is the same person writing as this person with two coded segments. It's way too fucking easy to fall into my fist because... I type so fucking much in Discord, right? Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm typing this, and I'm like, is this a red cobalt? No, this is Sean. This is just Sean right now. And I'm like, fuck! <laughs> and that's where like, I failed to fall down as a good post structuralist. So I think a lot of this will need revision by just pulling it out, reframing the Discord sections, and like running it. Because they're the easiest parts, and they make up the biggest body well, of the worst part. It, but they- no, it's interesting because when, when I used to teach students dialogue and unique voices were one of the most common problems and i developed a a method that that it's patent pending assholes <laughs> patent um, pending patent pending patent pending that i would tell them and it always helped and it's still the method that i use which is the the first and most obvious is established cadence imagine roughly how many syllables somebody tends to use in a breath and always stick to that mm-hmm. and then the second is called words to work toward Mm-hmm. Um, which basically means that a lot of people will have a favorite lexicon of three or four words, and they will literally build a sentence around approaching that word. Yeah. So if you, if you, just as a piece of advice to when you go to your revisions to just fucking hammer that, don't type what you think somebody is necessarily saying. Uh, find a word that they're going to work toward and decide if it's at the beginning or at the end. I I have a really good friend who she cannot stop responding with well as the first thing that she says so like she could never hide who she is because she'll just say well at the beginning of every sentence (laughs) uh and i think that's true and i've had less trouble and i will keep the the words to work towards line in mind the practice point for me i guess uh but a, a lot of that a lot of my tricks for writing dialogue don't apply to writing in this like text messaging format Right. right. Well, because it's triggering a part of your brain where you're trying to respond to yourself. <laughs> exactly. Right. Like, and that's the problem. Right. So I can project a character. I can do like a D&D voice. Like I can hashtag do the voices in D&D. But when I'm like reducing these things to 
text on a screen, I interact with it as if it's text on a screen, right? Like, and that's, that's very odd. And I think I need to emphasize the auditory characteristics of these things, but that's also against my thesis, which is about emphasizing the non-auditory, right? The, um, the, the hauntological and the text that while a message once sent, it remains sent, even if the person's dead and it's always saying the same thing forever. Right. Right. And so I'm just like fucking Gordian nodded by this shit, right? Like it is like, okay, someone get me a katana. I can't do it, right? But part of it's wondering if I'm out of conceptual scope, right? Like that this is just beating my ass and this will never really be anything. Or something is like, oh, no, this is my fucking opus, right? Like if if I get this right, everyone will just be fucking shattered by it, right? Like, Yeah, uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of it too is also the fact that you look over and you see Sean DMs in these and you spend an inordinate amount of time trying to calm the fact that now it feels like Sean DMs and it not that I'm in any position to to like even begin to make fun of that considering I was on like chapter three of this and was like, fuck it, burn it all down. I don't know why I'm wasting my time with this. <laughs> this is a stupid fucking book and Gibbs isn't even here yet. Gibbs isn't even here. Yeah, how is it going to be any better with Gibbs? Get okay, it's fine now. Yeah, he put, he killed that guy and put him in a barrel. That's awesome, right? Like, uh, no, and I, I I get you, and uh, I get you. You can empathize with it because I'm looking back at it. And what's the fucking one thing you shouldn't do in Nanorimo? Revise at all. Revise at all. Look back. Read what you already wrote. Do none of that <laughs> shit, right? Like, and I'm like here, and I'm immediately got hit with that fucking beam, right? <laughs> Um, and the other thing that I think that I'm running from is that like, uh, it's, it's, it's Sean discord thing, but my discord is hot as fuck, right? Like people <laughs> like reading the shit I type on discord, right? Like there was even, I was talking to my brother and he had hung out with like one of my friends and like, he, he said, oh, and then he said something that I recognized as something that you had probably said to him on discord. Cause it was just so <laughs> like that it was a very particular <laughs> kind of fucking weird ass metaphor about like melting down homeless people and using them to like charge Teslas with or something, right? Like and I'm like, yeah, it probably was something I said, right? Like and so I shouldn't run away from that voice. I should just be like, yeah, that voice rules and I'm like I'm good at snappy Discord text. And if I just vary the punctuation and make some characters not use semicolons, that'll be distinguishable enough, right? Yeah. Also really funny that people are listening are going, wait, which which one of Burning down homeless people is a shunt. Which which one of these guys comes down on the side of labor and which one? Capital? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was saying that a particular candidate for a particular mayoral position melts down homeless people and uses them to recharge <laughs> Teslas, right? Like that was that was what I was saying, right? As an invocation to not vote for him. So, to be clear, that yeah, is no, not I my articulate that up because I was <laughs> I was reaping all of these Sean Mayville points over here. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I had a really weird dream where my my Gibbs book here got published, and then I was invited to a sit-down with him at a college at UC Irvine, and he kept talking over me, and then when it was my turn to finally talk, he got up and started giving everybody Dr. Peppers and a big power move to stop me from talking. That That is a power <laughs> move. Now you know that you need to bring the Dr. Pepper. You need to bring the Mountain Dew Code Red. So when he, he starts that battle, you escalate, right? Uh, Arms race against China Mayville. <laughs> I'm not going to say you should not be touching the lathe on that one, because obviously that'd be super good to get you like on a book tour at UC Irvine discussion about this shit with Mayville, right? About like... Yeah. The 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 uh the urban feminine in fantasy, right? Like, <laughs> uh and historicity in fiction, right? That would be rad. But also that would be a huge issue for some of us, and I will not go into why. 
Uh, no, but it, it is. Really it's just so weird to watch him go. Giving out Dr. Pepper's is a power move. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, this is all because of Pretty Though Street Station. I just finished reading it, so like Mayville's bouncing around in my head there. Yeah. Now I would say that uh, <laughs> most global animal does not owe a lot to Perdido no. Station. No, uh, not some really. Some of your other works, I've been like, oh, this has big Perdido energy, and I've been saying that for like fucking five years at this point or whatever. Right? Yeah, like, that's the weirdest thing is that it's only after I started reading Perdido that I stopped writing like the Perdido y thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. We were uh, like, uh, okay, how many necrotizing like hagiographs <laughs> should I have this chapter? And I'm like, are you sure you haven't read Perdido Street Station? <laughs> yeah, and I like slide it over, and Sean looks down at the manuscript and goes, Palmetto Street Station, huh? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but they they deal with cer- certain similar ideas, right? Yeah. Like um, publicity in the city in a changing. Now that being said, I have twenty five to thirty thousand words left. The moths could appear at any the time. The moths could be there. They could be waiting. Uh, yeah. Before I uh, play us out, um, do you have any more questions on on my my hideous child? What has Squares been up to? Because I've been thinking about him a lot. Squares rules, okay? Squares has been one of the most active, and Squares was historically one of the big friends of Red Cobalt, because Red Cobalt was the one who introduced him and said, everyone, he doesn't speak great English, he's fine, he's cool, okay, we're going to tolerate him. But Squares' involvement with the protagonist is really, really alienating the mod uh, Red Cobalt, like, hugely. Because Squares is like, "Mm, I will go into DMs on this. He's like, that is against the rules! And he's like, so ban me. Uh, And uh, because he doesn't fuck around, right? Like that he is, wants to be direct and he's into this thing for the artistry, right? Whereas Red Cobalt is fundamentally, like cannot be expressed in terms of that he is like the the one whose whole identity is formed around moderating this community, right? That he views it as like a grave responsibility and like seeing the people in it like kind of turn on him to reflect the cast uh, is causing him to suffer, especially because this is aligning Squares and Susanna, his ex, not ex really, because they're incapable of a romantic relationship, but it is coded to the protagonist as if Susanna is his ex who was only like let back into the AIM group like after much appeal and drama and stuff. Obviously they're ghosts. They're not actually, they <laughs> they did not have sexual relations. It is not possible, <laughs> right? Uh, but the protagonists think they are, and they think that they're just getting into the way of petty drama by aligning with this, like, Susanu Squares. Susanna, not Susanu. <laughs> the seas do not part for her, like, the ring self alone. <laughs> uh, that aligning with Squares faction and, like, the creation of Squares faction is, like, part of what's driving Red Cobalt insane and leading him to support, like, Green and stuff. And that's part of why uh, uh, everyone is not taking the the shit that happens seriously especially with um darkwing's glory because they think it is just like petty aim drama uh and like i mean red cobalt is in fact the pettiest aim mod (laughs) and he is being dramatic so they're not wrong about that but like but there's also about ghosts and murder so like the petty has different stakes the petty has different stakes yes and that (laughs) like pettiness means killing like a mortal that someone or a, a member of the living that is beloved by one of these other characters, right? So uh, the, the lives of the living mean nothing to most of them, except for, you know, Red Cobalt, who believes in the chat room more than, you know, the activity of ghosting, as opposed to Squares, who believes in just killing mother. Uh, 
years. <laughs> so in the next section that you're working on, what's the planned conflict? The planned conflict is um, bringing it home, uh, convincing um, – uh, sorry, just trying to reframe it in my head. Edward convincing Anna that – uh, this this like found footage thing is real, and that like they need to go into a place where there isn't humans, and there can be no ghosts and no crime because it's new construction that wasn't constructed, and record something there as like a, a, a an add on to his thesis. Okay. And her finally being convinced by this because much like the 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 Beth uh, Amon dialectic, Anna's fucking done with Edward. He's <laughs> she's fucking done with him because he's like been saying he's gonna like get a thesis done. She was like supporting him last year, and then was like supportive when he's like, okay, I gotta gotta take another one and get a new thesis. She's like officially checked out at this point, <laughs> and like him being motivated to this thing is kind of what's drawing her back to it. But she's still resistant to this because she sees that he's devoting too much of his life to this community. I see, and so like. Yeah, yeah, so there is kind of a there is kind of an uh, an Eamon thing here where it's like, I, no, I want the one in the center. I don't want the one that's apathetic, and I don't want the one that's way too into it. Yes, and um, this this brings her around, but she seems distant for in a way because she's no longer affecting like that. She is just his good, happy girlfriend, even though she's like going to check out as soon as she he finishes his thesis, so he doesn't like kill himself, right? <laughs> Uh, to being like, I sincerely think this relationship can go somewhere. And he thinks that means that she's now checked out and is going to leave him, even though she's seriously considering their future, right? Yeah, uh, no, that's a good twist. Yeah, and that's what results in her going to the castle in England and getting fucking super killed, right? Like, <laughs> just incredibly fucking killed, right? Uh, by, fuck, what was his name? I haven't had him uh, talk for, like, forever. And change. Uh, and change is the the one who kills her, right? Because he's the the one who's like explains the drama inaccurately, and then kind of just checked out because he's fundamentally less online than the rest of them. Uh, he's not living the life everybody else wishes that they were living, and talk about one day I'll be doing this. Exactly, and like the the one who's the most Reddit of them, the most like Discord mod, but micro mod because he's not actually the mod. Green, uh, Green fucking hates and change because like what is he just? Why can't he respond? Huh? You can you can't like uh, you can't like do haunts and respond at the same time. And he's like, no, my dear, I'm focusing on one thing at a time, and this time it's death, right? Like, uh, and obviously so much of this is me thinking about voice in it, and they can't be voice. Think of an image, and there can't be image because again, it's in Discord chats. But right. I mean. So much of this is the fact that I find that the AIM interface compelling in big ways, right? Well, yeah, and you uh, you have a better handle on how to deliver this than that one stupid movie about, like, the haunted Skype call. Yeah, Unfriended. Yeah, which was, like, such a producer's idea of, like, hey, what's that thing kids use? Skype? Yeah, that one. Yeah, we're, we're going to make a haunted movie about that one. You, you mean the program that you use to talk to the other people in the studio? No, I... I use a special link. That's called my red phone. And then you hear a Skype. Hang on. The red phone is ringing. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> bum, bum. Yeah. Uh, no. And so I think to wrap us up here, uh, if not, you get no further update on this because like Twitter collapsing blows up all the infrastructure of like uh, <laughs> Podbean and Zencaster and all of its associated <laughs> platforms. 
uh, Mark Chad as a winner at NaNoWriMo and Sean as a loser. <laughs> Sean's not a loser in our hearts because he's not failing the goal we all hoped for him, which was being creative. <laughs> I've definitely written uh, more than a lot of people who are just sitting there with their blank doc and it's like, mm, that is a good blank doc right there. Okay. <laughs> I, I will not be too terribly judgmental of anybody's progress on NaNoWriMo, but the people that puttered out at 17,000 words on their Supernatural fan fiction come the fuck on. Yeah. <laughs> really? Really? You could des- <laughs> you could describe chests for more than that, right? Yeah. Like, you don't come even have to go downstairs on. at all, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, if, if you're doing fan fiction and you're puttering out below 35,000 words, like, go back to listening to On Writing because we got to help you out. Come into the Discord, ask me some questions, because uh, fan fiction takes all of, like, the really One hard second. parts out. Yeah. And I think that this, if nothing else, should prove that Chad is, in fact, a word count god, and you should learn <laughs> his word count god ways, right? Uh, they may not be adaptable to your system, but uh, maybe your system isn't as robust as you thought it was. Uh, I mean, I'll admit, a big chunk of my system is just verbally abusing my uh, my computer until it cries and starts producing words. <laughs> it's it's actually autonomous. Like, yeah. uh, and now we've gone fully back to Garth Marenghi. Uh, but what we haven't gone to is that ridiculous fucking AI where I was all like, okay, you write me an Irish labor town thing, and it has got some opinions about the Pacific War. That's <laughs> literally all it talked about for like the whole thing. And you're like, whoa, 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 right? Like, yeah, and now our secret nuclear base in Australia that the Japanese are trying to infiltrate? Mm-hmm. That, that like, AI writing sickens me in a big way, especially with people who are like, I've trained an AI to write like me, and I'm like, you write like a fucking tax form, my guy, right? Like, like whatever these fucking, th- they're, like, trained on Wikipedia articles or something, right? Yeah. They're not trained on prose. Uh, yeah, and- I am fully confident that, okay, so certain things, like low-budget TV shows, absolutely going to have AI write for them one day. Mm-hmm. But, like, books and and movie uh, humans are not going to be supplanted by ai i think there's a lot going to be a lot that's advertised as created by ai when it was just created by a dude right like we're full on back to mechanical turk years yeah some some dude in a garuda beak 100 yeah. percent. please man i need this gig <laughs> yeah, <okay>, fair <laughs> so if you like this episode if you like hearing about my failures and chad's triumphs uh, please give us a like or a review in the description of this episode. There will be a link to all of our socials, including our Twitter for as long as that lasts. Uh, but mostly our Discord, which is a great place to go to hang out, talk about writing, and share whatever shit posts you find in the bleak sphere of the Reddit universe. I love shit posts. I hate NSFW posts. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think we have a line about that in the in the Discord, right? Uh, no, I have to make that channel, too. Yeah, you do have to make that channel. But rest assured, if you come here, there will be nobody posting their toes. Yeah. Right? No, like, I will kill that person. No no selfies, no pictures of food, no pictures of pets. We just show pictures of books, writing, etc. Right? Like, you can go to an infinite number of places for your pictures of food. Occasionally screenshots of writing without a W communities, as we all point and laugh. Yeah. Uh, and so join up the Discord if you want to play. There is also... Uh, weekly and bi-weekly links for submissions as well as job opportunities that we think are relevant cold from the darkest depths of Facebook. Ew, yeah, right. Uh, But if you don't want to do that, above all else, we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.